Welcome to Manager Tools. Email Compendium, Part 4. This cast answers these questions. What is Manager Career Tools guidance on email? Why is three times a day the most important guidance? Where should I start? Well, if you want answers to these questions and more, keep listening. Here we go. Boasting an impressive employment rate of over 97%, Austin, Texas is ahead of the national average, and all indications point to future job growth. If you want help staying competitive in Austin's growing market, or have an eye towards moving into a management role, consider joining us July 9th and 10th. We'll be at the Sheraton Austin at the Capitol for our Effective Manager and Effective Communicator conferences. Register today at manager-tools.com forward slash training. Let's talk a little bit about relationships. We tell people all the time, the most important career tools cast is the one about building your network, not networking, not schmoozing, but building your network. And while email may not be a great place to create a relationship, it could be an okay place to create a relationship, but it's not a great place to create. That is to start to begin a relationship. It can be a great way to maintain a relationship. So because email is efficient, but it's not really effective, you have to be careful. You can't have a bunch of great friendships that are created and maintained just by email. And the problem with that is it's just not rich enough a medium for the necessary emotive connection to sustain relationships. Remember, all things are decaying all the time. I had somebody say the other day, even computer memory Uh, they said, oh, no, no, computer memory doesn't decay. I said, gee, what about memory leaks? Oh, that's a special case. My computer's memories never. I said, well, I would disagree. I used to use big eight-inch floppy disks, and then I used three-and-a-half-inch floppy disks, and then then I didn't have floppy disks anymore. Oh, well. Yeah, there's special types of RAM memory out there that are have error correction protocols to to account for that kind of stuff. I see. That's good. You're certain that they will not uh, decay or in any way be unavailable to us. They will be 100% readable and 100% quality in 100 years? You're killing me. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, I just don't have a sense of humor. About no, I'm not going to debate you public on this. I will shame you later when we're in <laughs> private. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Now, all that said, in addition, because relationships often bring conflict, you can't resolve conflict by email, okay? If there's any chance that you're going to have conflict, if there appears to be disagreement or potential for conflict, and by conflict, I don't mean yelling and screaming, I just mean disagreement, you've got to change your mode of communication. Now, if you're doing an email string back and forth, and suddenly there's something that's urgent, You don't then send an email that's urgent. You send a text message or you make a phone call. Same thing applies to relationships and conflict. You're sending emails back and forth. The project is being managed across three time zones. Email is your weapon of choice for communication. And suddenly uh, there's a conflict. You pick up the phone. I had somebody say to me once, well, no, if I'm getting email from somebody, you know, I'm doing email throughout the day. If I'm getting email from somebody, I may not be able to call them. Why not? Oh, well, you know, it may be a bad time zone thing. They're doing mail. They're awake. And the guy looked at me and said, oh, yeah, I hadn't hadn't thought about that. I said, just because email is asynchronous doesn't mean that if you're emailing back and forth nearly in real time, a la text messages with somebody, doesn't mean they're not awake. So if you get conflict, 
phone somebody. If you're in conflict and you send some emotion, some negative emotion to somebody else, remember something. In many cases, unless it's 10 o'clock in the morning and they sit right next to you, uh, and even then to some degree, you can't be sure what mood that person is going to be in when they read your mail. If they've already had a bit of a bad day, yours may be the mail that puts them over the top. If somebody walks into your office and they seem to be having a down day, you don't immediately bark at them. And the reason you don't is you have contextual and situational awareness because you can see and hear them and you know that they're uncomfortable. And you know now's not the time to create new conflict or to dismiss them or be uh, disrespectful to them because they're going to get frustrated at you and you're going to make things worse. You don't have that luxury with email. You don't know what's going on as much as you could about somebody's day-to-day moments if they are not close to you because you're doing things by email. And I assume we don't need to say that if you want to extend emails back and forth to the person next to you, that's fine, but it's really inefficient. And I can't help you more broadly if you're not getting your work done because you're not having conversations. Email may be efficient, but as we've said before, it's not effective in terms of sustaining the relationships that will make a difference in your career. So be careful about using email for trying to create or doing anything other than maintaining relationships and be very careful about attempting to solve conflict or disagreements through email. Now that brings up the question, are there general concepts that email is for? And the answer is yes. Emails for operational information, status, clarification, and for the beauty, the efficiency of asynchronous communication. Now, of course, one of the problems with email is people weren't good communicators to begin with, and then we gave them a technique that would make them more efficient at being not good. Uh, So part of what we're asking you to do here is elevate your communication abilities, and hopefully that will affect other communication abilities as well. I'm in the middle of writing my book, right now about effective hiring manager. And I tell people, we say it repeatedly in the book, if you're talking to someone who appears to have the skills you need for the job, but it is like pulling teeth to get it out of them. They don't answer your questions. They give you long-winded answers. You struggle to determine whether or not they answered your question or not. Don't hire that person because communication skills are hugely important in every job. Communication is the single most frequent thing anybody does at work on a day-to-day basis. And I don't care if he or she has the skills or not, those communication skills that are so frustrating in the interview will frustrate you if they come to work for you. Now, I know some of you would say, well, Mark, it's just the stress of the interview. You don't know that. What you have is a bunch of examples of really bad communication skills. Well, I don't want to ding him because, you know, he's a good guy. Okay, go ahead and hire him, but just don't come crying to me when it doesn't work out. Email really is to make it easier to communicate data and facts and details, and in some cases, a lot of details efficiently, okay? But it has unfortunately become a well we've all fallen down into, and we've confused efficiency as the reason for communication, when in fact, the reason for communication is effectiveness. You know, some people use email for anything, for selling ideas, for explaining things, resolving issues, asking for favors, introductions, resigning, feedback, and so on. Guys, that's a mistake, okay? You are 
sacrificing effectiveness on the altar of efficiency. Email is not for pre-decision discussion. When your team needs to decide whether to go with option A or option B, it may be tempting to solicit opinions on email. But now you've got a different problem. Your three engineers give their support for option A or B based on points one, two, and three. But engineer number two's support of option B changes when he sees engineers number one's point. And so he sends another email clarifying his mail, and that affects another person's opinion. And so you end up with a 25-email string that goes on for days that people feel the need to respond to throughout the day, but then do so inefficiently because they're on the phone. It's way better to get three engineers in a room and hash it out in 30 minutes. And don't tell me you're not physically co-located because you could do a conference call or a Skype call or something like that. Yeah, we, we solved that problem last decade. Yeah. You know, something else, don't use email as written validation. I really struggle with this, and I don't, I don't want to spend too long on this because I'll, I'll go off on a dark mark rant about people saying, no, 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 I have to do, I have to assign all my tasks and emails so I have proof. And I've told my people that, you know, they have to reply to the email saying, got it, so that I have proof. I don't know where proof came into the managerial lexicon Guys, if you say you assigned a task to someone and they say you didn't, okay, there's going to be all kinds of other proof, I would guess, but all you have to do is write things down. And, you know, if you have software that you checked that says assign Joe the task of Y, that's proof. You don't need verification, okay? You don't, it's, this is not FedEx. In the beginning, you don't have to sign for everything. If you start asking for proof and documentation of things, now you're you're questioning people's integrity. And if you're questioning people's integrity, you need to get rid of them or change your relationships. Or if there's nothing you can do about that, simply recognize that if you're somebody, if you believe you can't trust them, other people feel the same way and you don't need email documentation. And by the way, if you need email documentation and everything, it's no wonder you're spending all your time doing mail. And it's not our fault. It's not email's fault. It's your behavior's fault. Change your behavior. Now, obviously, I mean, I'm sure we don't need to say this, but we'll say it anyway. When should you not use mail? For something that's urgent. And you'd say, well, they're on a different time zone. And so that's, you know, I've got to... I've, I've got to let them know it's urgent. It's urgent in that when they first get up, I need them to, to look at it. Well, actually, you can send a text message if it's truly, truly urgent, or you can call them on the phone. Now, this gets into the whole thing of, well, I don't want to wake them up. My experience has been everybody's got all the reminders and alerts and notifications on their phones all turned on. I don't know why people have their phone in their bedroom. Um, well, I do know why. Almost no reasonably effective, well-rounded, um, mentally stable person who would say, you've got to have your phone in your bedroom and you have to be able to listen for it and look for it because you never know. The world survived for several million years without that. You're not the leader of the free world. And if you are, it's an honor to have you on the show. And what you do is not that important. And Yes, I know you have an alarm on your phone, but you also can buy a pretty cheap alarm clock. Your phone should not be demoted to being an alarm clock just so that you can have it handy. 
And if the first thing you do when you get up in the morning is reach for your phone, you have an entirely different problem other than email. Yes, email is easy to use, but when things are urgent, you don't choose the easiest method to address it. You choose the best method to address it. Another thing we don't do in email is bad news. You're fired. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look, I remember four or five years ago, I want to say it was an American fast food company that terminated a bunch of people by text message. It's just amazingly bad. Again, let's go back to communication basics. What's your message and what's your medium? And those two things affect one another. Why would we choose the most efficient medium in the world, email, to deliver the hardest message, right? Communication is what the listener does, not what the speaker says or writes. If it's reasonable to assume that fear or anger, ag anger or sadness is a likely outcome of your message, email is the worst choice because it has the highest likelihood of being misunderstood. How many times have we said on the show, anybody here ever sent a mail that was completely and utterly benign in your heart, in your mind, in your soul, and have somebody lose their mind over it? If you say something that has no negativity in it at all, face-to-face -face with someone whom you know, there's no way they're going to draw a terribly negative conclusion from it. But email, it happens all the time. And the reason for that is it takes away all of your behavioral communication tools and cues that help the other person understand the context of what you're saying. Okay. Another thing you don't use email for, following up. If you've already sent one me email and you didn't get what you were expecting, why would you do the same thing over again? Okay. So if you send an email, you didn't get what you want, and your boss says, okay, what are you going to do? I'm going to send another mail. Don't be surprised if your boss says, no, don't do that. Call. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that didn't we, work. We do time. that. We've had that happen recently, I think, on our ops meeting on Friday morning. And I need to send another mail. Why? Because it's easy for you? Do you want your job to be easy, or do you want to do it well? Because those things are not necessarily inclusive. Okay? If somebody has said they will do something, and they said verbally, I mentioned this earlier after a fashion, but I'm going to say it differently because it's a, it's a, a reason not to use. It's one of the places you don't use mail. If somebody has said, yes, I'll do something. How dare you send a mail saying, hey, I need that in writing or, hey, I'm just verifying that you agreed to do this on this date by this time. Please let me know you've done so. You're going to insult that person's integrity. Of course, if they have no integrity, then... A, you won't insult it, but B, it won't matter. They'll be happy to lie to you in email just like they lie to you to your face. So you don't do it, period. If you're sending out work by email, you've got to be very, very careful about it, okay? Remember what I said before, you can't copy somebody on a mail and then have them have deliverables in it. Thinking of bringing manager tools on site to work with your team yet budget is an issue? So you may want to consider our video courses, which deliver the same guidance online, and each person can go through the course at his or her own pace. Each of our standard trainings are available, effective manager, communicator, or hiring manager. The video license is per individual and affords practice and quizzes, and is accessible for two years. At $350 per license, it's more affordable, particularly if you don't have a group that's over 20 folks. However, if you do, our client on-site training may be a better financial option. Either way, contact Maggie at manager-tools.com to get your team set up today. 
Okay. I think I've beaten that to death in terms of how to use mail and how to how to actually process mail. But I, but we do have a couple of suggestions about how to write mails. I think it's important. It goes back to first principles in communication. Who's your audience and what result do you want? Okay. If you're smart, you've taken the disk profile and you've had your people around you, you know, people's disk. And if you don't know their disk because they haven't taken the disk, you've come to our effective communicator conference so that you can determine somebody's disk profile just by interacting with them a few times, including, by the way, looking at their mail. If you're writing to an high I or a high S, you may think twice about sending a mail because it's harder to show emotion to a high I or high S. And why wouldn't you want to do that? By the way, if you don't know what I'm talking about with disk and you heard that little bit where I said, depending upon a person being an I or an S, you may want to do something differently. And you say to yourself, well, I don't consider that. I consider the facts that I want to get out and so on. It's no wonder half of the world of the people don't, half of the people in the world don't like you. Uh, it's no wonder that you can't seem to get as many things done without roll power because you haven't become aware of one of the first principles of organizational and managerial and behavioral life, which is it's all about people. So high I's and high S's prefer face-to-face communication. Yes, that means you may have to get out of your desk and go talk to somebody. Yes, it means for high S's and high C's. Rather than just sending out an email saying, I need your responses now, you may choose to send an email to your high I's and S's, high S's and C's 24 hours before you're going to do a brainstorm so they can think about it because they don't like coming up with things on the spot. Okay. You've got to consider your audience when you're thinking about drafting an email. Consider what they know, what they'll need to know in order to take the action you want them to. Obviously, it'd be good to include the information they need to take the action, right? And then the second thing, after considering them, then you got to say, okay, what is it I want? What is the outcome I want? Not, I want to tell a story, thus, as a general rule in email, because email is about efficiency, put the bottom line up front. But when you're thinking about it, say, what is the outcome? Do I just want them to know something or do I want them to do something? And if I want them to do something, would they prefer that I include the, what I want to do at the end or at the beginning? For the most part, if you're a boss, they want to know it at the beginning. Oh, no, 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 no. I, wa- I want it at the end because I want to, I, I like mystery novels and I like reading an email and yeah. trying to figure out what they want. And and at the end, it's it's a pleasant surprise. And then and then once I figure out what they want, then I have to go, of course, read the entire email again because now I have context. So, yeah. Aspiring mystery writers, just yeah. put it at the end. And bottom line up front also extends to the title of the email, Right. Put a title that's useful to people. There's been a lot written about this, and I encourage you to go read books and so on further about email, but put the right title on it. In other words, don't put a title of problem X. On the other hand, please review slash approve this approach to problem X. Okay? It's easier to find. It's easier to read. Most people... Nowadays, I think, are showing some preview of their email in their email client, but at a minimum, they're showing the title of the email 
and they're scanning titles of the emails to determine how to prioritize things. If you just send update, when in fact the update has deliverables in it, people aren't going to respond as quickly. By the way, because email drains a good bit of the contextual emotional life out of the conversations, quote unquote, that you're having with people over email, we encourage you, even with some of the high D's and high C's, but especially with the high I's and S's, is attempt to inject some more emotion back into the conversation, as opposed to creating a dry and lifeless white paper. More please, more thank you, more nice. Uh, more emotive words generally will help you get more done in email. We've talked about this rule for years on the show. Don't send an email that's from your boss to you. Don't forward it to your directs and say, FYI, because they don't know what you know at your level. And so therefore, when you forward a mail, you're obligated to say, hey, this is what this means for us. Please read the email below. There are a couple of points that are worth expanding on. Don't stress on it. It would take me too long to write it. We'll cover it briefly during our staff meeting this week. Don't just forward emails to directs. Again, they don't have your context. That's why there's a rule. Managers are not communicated to. We are communicated through. Whenever you find out something from your boss, if your boss doesn't embargo it, you're obligated to share it with people. When people complain all the time, I don't know what's going on at the top, it's because the levels between them and the top haven't communicated what they know. And everybody says they're too busy to do this, but man, horseman second after after it's all about people, the second law is more communication is better. By the way, in the subject lines, use no action required or no need to open. So that I know that the subject line of the email is all I need to read. If you're sending a monthly status report, label it monthly status report. That way, the email software of the people receiving it, if they're smart, puts it in the monthly status report folder. And the monthly status report may come out at 10 a.m., but it probably doesn't have breaking news on the level of CNN in it. And probably many of the people who are getting it provided input to it and so know roughly and worked on it for the previous month. So they know roughly what it is. So they're probably not going to look at it till the end of the day. So make it easier for their email client to notify that that's the monthly status report. And then other emails about the monthly status report, which is essentially about work that's already done. It would be good to put those in the same folder with the same priority and urgency as the originating document. You could put DNR, which sounds terrible, do not respond versus do not resuscitate, right? If you're going to cancel a meeting, just put staff meeting cancel, DNR. Same thing for EOM, echo Oscar Mike, end of message. Meeting cancel today, end of message. I would also mention bottom line up front again. The most important information needs to be in the first paragraph of the email. All right. Subject. Here's an email. Subject. Please review and approve this approach to problem X. Okay. And then it says, our customers are erroneously getting emails indicating the end of their subscription. They can read the subject line and they know what they're expected to do. They can read the first paragraph and they know what the proposal is. 
If that's enough for them to feel confident in approving it, they don't need to go any further. And in that case, you could send back go or approved or I agree, something like that. And it's done. It's literally that simple. Cool. I think that's it, right? You want to summarize this whole thing? Is there a way to summarize it? It's a lot of stuff encompassing about 20 or 30 podcasts. So Yeah, describe the universe, be specific, give two examples. Exactly. So look, email is a necessary evil. It will become less evil and actually can become your friend if you will simply manage it aggressively. That means scheduling time for it each day and don't do email outside of that time. You can check for urgency or your boss, but other than that, no. You're free of email anxiety. You don't have to worry about the email culture. You don't have to worry about missing the mail. We promise you, if you just try this, you'll discover that your life will get better. During those times you're doing email, you're going to get to zero inbox each time you do it three times or two times a day or whatever. Don't mark things as unread. See it as as an assassin task where you're going to kill that mail. You're either going to answer it, you're going to create a task or deliverable and tell people you're going to do it, or you're going to file it or you're going to delete it. Create your task list. You know, email is a form of task and deliverable communication, but it is not a place and time to do the tasks that are in the mail. You can use so much technology to help you. Be careful about emails affecting relationships. Yes, you can maintain a relationship, but you can't create one. And it can certainly damage a relationship when you think that email is an opportunity to communicate around conflict. Don't use email for urgent matters or bad news or for following up after an email has already occurred. Become a professional about managing the deliverables that occur in email. And then remember, if you're writing emails, you know what result do I want? Who's my audience and what result do I want? If you do all these things, you will wrestle email into a corner of your life. It will be useful and you will get over your anxiety. And I encourage you to write to customer service at manager-tools.com and tell us your story because we've heard them over the years and we'd be happy to share them with the rest of the audience. All right. Thank you, my friend. Anytime, partner. Thanks, everyone. That's it. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you all next week. In the meantime, have a great one. So long. 